We're recording. Right, we'll get going. Good evening and welcome to episode six of Hashtag More Than A Job on Anchor FM. My name is Mike Bradford. Hi, it's Joe Allerton. And I'm Daniel. Allerton, <laughs> <laughs> why are you waving? I don't know, because I'm on Zoom. It's what you do. And I am Daniel Bull. Brilliant. Uh, tonight on this episode, we have got a one-item agenda. Um, given the amount of pressure teachers have been under recently, and last week we talked about government policy on catch-up. Tonight we've got a fun topic. It is Education Room 101. Dan, do you want to get started with your Room 101s? Yeah, okay. So my first one, as we're all going to be experiencing this on Monday morning, Monday the 8th of March, is the back to school small talk. It absolutely drives me nuts when you go into school and you have the same conversation every day for at least a week with every member of staff. Morning, morning, you're right. Yeah, thanks. Have a good break. Yeah, lovely, wasn't it? Get up to anything good? Yeah, yeah, went away, had a, had a decent break. How about you? Yeah, yeah, lovely. Anyway, catch you in a bit. Five steps down the corridor. You okay? Yeah, thanks to you. Yeah, have a good break. Yeah, yeah, want too bad yourself. Sick of it, I am. I'm sick of repeating the same thing. I almost feel like I need to publish a statement in advance. Yes, I've had a good break, thank you. Or I've had a good time. That's my case going forward tonight. I think some of the best things to do with that is just literally tell a different story to every single person. So the first person comes on to you. How are you? Ah, not too good, really. Why? What happened? I lost a leg in a lawn mowing accident, actually. And, um... How are you doing? Yeah, all right. Did you get any, up to anything? Yeah, I did actually. Went on holiday. Where'd you go? I went to Lebanon. Leb- Lebanon, did you? Oh, right. Okay. And just keep it going and see by the end of the day, which person comes up to you and said, so which one of those things did you actually do? Nothing. I didn't actually go away. Couldn't afford it. We were decorating the house. I think it's just an example of people are obviously being kind and, and thoughtful as we do, but it's just a sign of everyone being overly sort of polite and interested in that that small talk, isn't it? Yeah, you feel you've got to have that conversation. And I'm sure as well, you know, as much as we are looking forward to seeing our colleagues, you know, desperately excited to see our colleagues, you know, having not seen some of them for three months. But it's that it's that constant small talk. You know, you'll be hearing it everywhere, every corridor, every classroom and every staff room throughout the country. Have either of you two ever worked in a place where uh, the first day back there was anything stunning happen and it kind of got rid of all the small talk or did a great thing for team spirit or anything like that? Was has there anything ever been organised along those lines? There was a wonderful water sport event that I went on at the start of a uh, of a school year. That was brilliant. There's nothing says better to the start of a year than seeing all of your colleagues in wet lycra. You know that that just says to me team building. Dan, you're so you're saying basically first day back small talk. Yeah, but the back to school small talk that we experience after every every break whether it be a half term an easter holiday a summer holiday or a lockdown how many on on average how many small talks do you do before you lose your rag is there is there a number is you know is it after the second one the third one or or can you keep going are you good at are you good at faking your enjoyment in other people's holidays 
<laughs> the risk of this is some colleagues at work, they're going to be listening to this thinking, well, sod him. I'm not going to say one, one word to him next week. So there are some benefits because I am genuinely interested, obviously, in people's welfare. Of course I am. It's just the, uh, to be more precise, it's just that, you okay? Yeah, thanks. Have a good break. Yeah. Do you go anywhere nice? No, I picked somewhere totally horrible to go. It was my holiday and I decided I was going to go to the worst place on earth. Of course I went somewhere nice. Of course I did. You know, it's one of those polite questions. And actually, to extend this further, just general small talk, it's when you walk past someone, morning, morning, you all right? Yes, thanks, are you? When people say, you're, are you all right? It's, it's a greeting. It's not a question about your welfare. And I have taken a conscious effort this year to not respond. So if I go past someone, I'll say, good morning, morning, you are right? That's it. They are just using it as another way of saying hello a second time. So we can maybe extend this to small talk in general. I think there's a couple of things. However, I'm going to give you a reason why you can't put small talk in 101 this time. Because next time we have it properly, we're all going to be glad of it. Because let's be honest with you, when we get back from this time off and we start seeing all our colleagues, time off, wrong word to use. Hi, how are you? All right, you get up to anything? No, I stayed at home. Yeah, of course. What did you do? Yeah, I stayed at home as well. Uh, I went to the supermarket once. That was a real that was a real fun day. Yeah, okay. Get a haircut? No, couldn't get a haircut. No, same here. Couldn't go on yeah. holiday. So, you know, actually, the small talk may be the saving grace that people now have. Okay, yeah, came into school for their uh, COVID test. Didn't they? That's all, that, that's pretty much anyone did. You probably, you know, this this final day coming into school and getting their COVID test was probably the most exciting thing anyone's done in this whole uh, in this whole lockdown. I mean, there's only so many times you can walk around the block, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? You know, do do you one hour of exercise, prescribed exercise, or whatever it was? Maybe the uh, maybe the listeners could vote on this one. So if you think that Dan's suggestion that a school small talk on the first day back, or indeed any school small talk, should go into Room 101, get onto Twitter, hashtag more than a job on Anchor FM and let us know. James, what's your first Room 101 this evening? So my first one is those buzzwords that people use in school. And the one I find most annoying, more than any other one, is joined up thinking. Uh, it, it drives me absolutely insane. When somebody's presenting to all the staff at an inset or a staff meeting, they say, come on, everyone, let's just get some joined up thinking. What they actually mean is, come on, everyone, we work in a school where nobody talks to each other properly, so can we all have a conversation? Actually, what he meant was, yeah, nobody converses with you. It absolutely drives me mental. Actually, yeah. come up with an idea and share it. Yeah, what do you think it should mean, James? What does joined up thinking mean? Does it mean that they have a thought that somebody goes, they go, oh, what I think we should do is we should take that classroom and turn it into a blank room for this and everyone starts just shouting out ideas library oh let's let's join up your thinking process oh um aquarium no it doesn't mean that what they're actually meaning is that they want everyone to talk about their ideas and and come up with but that's not joined up thinking what they mean is let's have a conversation about it which means let's have a working party what actually means let's work in a school where people aren't afraid to talk usually means that they're working in a school where people are too afraid to talk about their ideas. James, is it the concept, is it the thing of joined up thinking that upsets you? Or is it just the phrase joined up thinking that upsets you? 
I think it's just the phrase joined up thinking that offends me really, because we all, the, the concept of joined up, we all have joined up thinking. That's what the thought process is. You don't have a thought that doesn't have a bit in the middle. Room 101, joined up thinking. What do we think, listeners? I'll do my first one then. My first one is, I'm going to call it promotional fakery. Um, I hate it. And this is school, this is virtually every school in the country. So it's not, this isn't a dig at any individual school. All schools do this, I think. Even in the primary sector, secondary sector, private sector, it is just basically promoting themselves, mainly with fake videos and fake prospectuses, which have got fake pictures in of fake kids holding hands or walking down a path like, have you ever seen a child excitedly walking down a path in school? I never have, believe it or not. Having picnics. Have we ever seen children having picnics in school without throwing, throwing the food at each other? It's absolutely crazy. The wonderment of education, isn't it? How many exciting science lessons are there in prospectuses where the kids are, are using a Bunsen burner and they just look massively excited. I love science teachers, but no disrespect to your subject. I've never seen any science lessons in real life that are as, as exciting as they are in prospectuses and or in teaching adverts. It's always a science lesson, isn't it? They always use science as being like, you know, the most exciting subject. Every school now uses drones to do like a, a, an over the shot of the field. I think schools should be legally bound to have some truthful, an element of truth in their prospectus. So I think for like a secondary school, you've got to have some kids smoking on the field in your prospectus. I think that you should have a kid with a, a bloody nose because they've just had a fight stood outside the head teacher's office. I think that should, I, I think you should have to do that as a matter of law on school prospectuses just to show that they are real. Yeah, disclaimer on the bottom, none of these children actually attend this school. So, Mike, it's not obviously not the basis of a promotional video. It's the it's the fakeness. That, that's the issue, is it? The the staged yeah. photos, the students leaning over another in the library as they <laughs> are looking at Darwin's Origin of Species book and they're discussing the points of that evolutionary theory together, which happened nowhere in any school ever. That's what we're talking about, is it? Yeah, definitely. So with one of my student leadership teams one year, we had some sort of promotional photos together and we did do that classic cheesy walking up the path. But it's actually become one of my favourite photos ever with students because I was saying to them, right, come on, let's walk together. Remember, we've all got to just be laughing. You've got to pretend I'm the funniest man ever. I said, so I'm going to tell you a joke now. Ha, ha, ha. And everyone, you laugh with me. And it did actually capture a moment because we were then genuinely laughing at the, the cheesiness of what these standard promotional photos always are. The thing is, though, I mean, schools are conning themselves now. I mean, I don't know how much it does, how much it costs to get like a set of prospectuses sent out, but all schools in your area will have a similar prospectus. Would we all agree that? Similar glossy prospectus with similar pictures in. So why not just get together with the other schools and say, not bother, right? Save all that money. Don't because you're all cancelling each other out anyway with all the prospectuses that you're producing. Why don't you just say to parents, we'll give you a pound? If you come to our open evening, we'll give you a pound upon entry because even with all the parents that come to your open evening, you'd still save the money from all your promotional videos and 
all the prospectuses. So you could still induce parents to come to your parents' evening other, with other ways other than a glossy prospectus. How about some good old-fashioned honesty? Parents are not silly. They all went to secondary school, didn't they? You know, it's not as if they've got any misconceptions about what happens in a secondary school, because it's not that long. I mean, it is a long time ago for me, but it's not that long ago that we were all at school ourselves. We know what teenagers are like. We know the kind of things they get up to in secondary schools. So how about some good old-fashioned honesty? Get rid of these glossy prospectuses. They're annoying. Put them in room 101. That's what I say. Right, moving on. Dan, have you got a second uh, a second nominee for your room 101? I'm going to go more to a, a teaching and learning one. The obsession that schools have with making the kids write down learning objectives. Welcome to the lesson. Your first task is to sit and copy out a load of words are effectively just a series of tasks. Must, could, should, red, amber, green. I'm, I'm really not a fan of that. I don't think it does anything to help the learning or improve the learning. Then we obviously we have this obsession with someone popping into the lesson and saying, oh, can you um, tell me what your lesson objectives are today? Do you know exactly what you're doing? We should be moving to something that's, you know, that's bigger than that. Recently, I like reading the work of, of Sam Strickland, posing these big questions and getting kids to think bigger outside of the box. And, you know, maybe a little bit more philosophically about, about the questions. I'm not saying obviously we don't have a, a roadmap from the teaching and from the teaching side. Of course we do. For me, it's the copying down of these lesson objectives. For what purpose? For what, what on earth do they do? I think we do them because it looks good. It looks good in the books and someone could come and ask a fancy question about it and someone can give you an answer. Stuff that's just been done for Ofsted's purpose or being done for a purpose of, of trying to show off what you're doing. They, they seem not to be too interested in it anymore. So, so the concept of not doing it seems to have come in. But I, I've heard of places that do it to get teachers into the habit of using a learning objective rather than the concept of having to write it down. But they made the teachers write it down because they were concerned that the teachers wouldn't use a learning objective, which they felt would enhance the learning. Sam Strickland, Dan, Writing saying he, he talks about big questions, isn't it? Or having like a central question rather than a learning object. Yeah, definitely so. And I say my thing is not about not having learning objectives, it's about getting the kids to sort of my room on a one nomination is for the the pointless writing down of these learning objectives. Someone says, What's your learning objective? So it's on every slide. I once spent an entire lesson with an Ofsted inspector in the room on the starter exercise because it was a piece of artwork based on religion. And all I wanted the kids was to identify key bits about it. We hadn't even got to the learning objective. It was on the next slide. It was just, a, we spent 50 minutes discussing this picture and the kids drawing everything out. And I was so panicked in the back of my head. I didn't want to stop. So panicked in my head about getting on to the next slide so they could write down this flaming learning. And then when I went for my feedback, I thought I sat there panicking, thinking I'm going to get hammered here because they didn't write a thing and they didn't even know what the learning objective was. And she just turned around and, this officer, and I'll never forget it. She went, my major's in art. Then you woke up, school was in special measures for inadequate teaching and learning, and you were you were sent on your oh, way. It's taken me 25 years to get back to where I am now, yeah. Yeah, have a big question instead of a learning objective, because learning objectives are going in room 101, or are they? James, what's your second room 101 this evening? So I'm going with poorly planned and untargeted staff training.
And we've all been through it. We've all walked in, especially when you're a couple of years into teaching and you still got massive positivity as you go in. You walk in for the day thinking, here we go. I'm so excited about this. What have we got on today's agenda? How about sitting, right? I'm, I'm not, I, I've, I've never once in my career had to give one of these anaphylactic jabs and jabs. I can tell you exactly what, what you need to do because I've sat in about 50 trainings in my whole career where you have to draw that quarter on your thigh and then jab yourself with the with the. But watch a watch a video. Hey, here's a video. Look what happens. Right, all of those ones. I was once on an inset day where we had two hours dedicated to writing a curriculum intent statement for our department. Or you know when you walk in and we all love it and we all like timing department. But when it literally says on the plan for the day timing department. James, as some of our listeners might know, obviously the three of us have had the pleasure of working together. And yeah. I actually, I've got a fantastic photo of you in an inset day where you were just slumped on one of those horribly rigid blue chairs that you get in school halls. Your posture was absolutely awful. About three buttons on your shirt, your shirt was untucked. And this was only about 11 o'clock in the morning. And you were slumped back, you know, it just totally and utterly disengaged with what was going on on an inset day. So I can tell this is very, very personal to you. I know. And that was my own bit I was leading, I think. I'd give it, give it up on my own, my own bit, probably. I do think that, you know, there is a serious point and undertone to this, isn't it? CPD, these inset days, mm-hmm. they are so, so crucial and they have to be planned. And the, the, the outstanding schools, the best schools in the country will obviously always make sure that every single minute you get together as staff is well used. And I think that's probably the the biggest thing, isn't it? Our time is so precious. And when it's not used to to basically the best interest of the kids, because what we've said there is we want time to, in order to plan the best lessons, the best curriculums for the kids, isn't it? And I think that's probably the, the frustration and why you want Room 101 to open its doors. I, I think I might have the winner here from, certainly from our more serious ones. I know you name-checked a few weeks ago, didn't you, Dan? You did a name-check of one of your ex-colleagues, Will. I actually, because we're recording this podcast on a, on a slightly different evening tonight, and I I, I normally do my uh, my quiz to my mates and sort of say, look, we're recording Room 101 for, for more than a job. And they, they understood, because, you know, more than a job, they all listen to it and they're very supportive. But they said, but you've got a name checkers, Chris Hewitson, Matthew Quinn and Ben Howe. Thank you for this. They all said having kids in school and and having been in school, parents evenings need to go into room 101. And I reckon the teaching profession and parents might agree with this because, of course, what lockdowns it's given us this new concept of the online parents evening. And I know at our school, we use a very good company called School Cloud. They seem to have really mastered this concept and parents seem to really like it. And teachers seem to really like it. But Ben made a point. He said, my room 101 for for, for education as a parent would be going to parents' evenings and having to wait for a teacher who is going over their five-minute slot. And that seems to really infuriate him as as a parent, that some teachers, knowing they've got five minutes, then talk for eight minutes to a, to a particular parent. You've got the classic parent who jumps in front of someone else where they haven't made any, any appointments, causing tension. That's a classic. 
But I think in general, they, they seem to be quite stressful parents' evenings, even though they can be nice events. And people in general seem to really enjoy doing these online parents' evenings. So I'm going to suggest we put live parents' evenings where you go into the building and see the teachers. I'm going to suggest you put them into room 101. What school has ever had a parents' evening finish on time ever again in the history of of you know of school i don't want to lose the face-to-face contact with parents because it is great seeing them it is great being social interacting with people and doing too much online there's obviously the risk of losing that standard human contact i do agree you know it's more efficient probably i would also imagine more parents could attend probably both parents can attend in some circumstances where perhaps they couldn't because mum or dad are away working or can't get away other on a shift yeah parents evening it's, you need to make it funner. James, is funner a word? Uh, it is now. Right, okay. It's a better word, I think you'll find, than joined up thinking. Last time we recorded this on Friday night, when he's using words like funner. So tonight on More Than A Job, we've had small talk, we've had joined up thinking, we've had promotional fakery, we've had uh, written learning objectives, we've had pointless inset, and we've had parents' evenings. And we're going to let our listeners decide, which might on, on Twitter, which might be the more interesting ways to do it. Yeah, I think it would be good to see what who followers on Twitter and the Facebook page think. And obviously some of the, the conversations we'll be having with friends and family and, and other colleagues who listen. I think that would be quite exciting. You never know. Some of my suggest that this podcast goes in there as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I know new people who will probably say this podcast should go in there, but we're not. I don't care whether whether people think we should be in room 101. We're, we're gonna we're here to stay, aren't we? I think we'll leave it there. It's been another good discussion on hashtag more than a job on Anchor FM. My name's Mike Bradford. I'm with Jay Ollerton and Daniel Bull. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week.